Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And we are so thrilled today to be joined by podcaster extraordinaire, generally awesome human who does a lot of amazing things, Kate Osborne. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Extraordinaire right off the bat. Like, wow. Right? Now you've only got (laughs) the pressure. The pressure is on now. Now I have to sound smart. It's going to be great. Oh, that's okay. No, not on this podcast. You'll probably sound smart no matter what. Uh, but your 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 biography is pretty impressive in itself. So yeah, I'm sure you're going to meet those. Our bars are low. It's, Annie and I don't put them very high for ourselves. So everybody else is impressive. Wow. Good. I, I also like that impressive is a really fancy way of saying makes absolutely no sense. But I like I like that. I'm just going to start saying it's impressive. You know, that's a good way because I feel like a lot of times interesting takes that place where you're like, oh, yeah. that's interesting. And what you mean is I don't know what to do with what <laughs> is happening. Impressive is a nicer way. Right? It's good. It's good. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Uh, So could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. So my name is Kate. Uh, I go by Katiosaurus on the social medias. Um, And I am a ADHD advocate. I am a neurodivergent uh, content creator and educator. Um, And I am a certified sex educator with a special interest in uh, neurodivergency and the intersections of like sex and intimacy and ADHD and autism and everything that kind of falls under the neurodivergent umbrella. Um, And also, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, but that's <laughs> it's not what we're here to talk about today. But sometimes I just feel like I have to say it like legally, I have to be like, also, that's part of what I do. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's a good preface and it should be in the introduction just because we know we're going to go down this road yeah, between uh, Annie's love for it and my own like what? It's going to go down that it's road. Gonna be so great. it's a good, good <laughs> preface. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, and I mean, just in that bio, I've already have so many questions and things I want to follow 
Uh, but I do want to have, kind of get this nerd talk out of the way. And Samantha yeah. is like a wonderful, <laughs> supportive co-host who lets me do this. Um, so I was recently on your podcast and we just really hit it off. We kind of discovered we're like the same person in some way. Yeah, in, in several many ways. Yes. Uh, so... First of all, can you tell people about your podcast? Yeah, so I have a podcast. It's called Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest in ADHD Adventure, which is a very long title. It's fine. Um, But we talk about life with ADHD and depression and navigating life as neurodivergent adults. Um, But we also play D&D on the podcast sometimes. Um, And so one of the things that kind of came out of this, it it started out as a joke. It was a joke episode. Um, But what came out of this was a lot of really important conversations about accessibility and inclusivity in like tabletop role-playing games, um, which is sort of like the other arm of what I do. So I'm a certified sex educator. I talk about like neurodivergent relationships, but I also go to a lot of conventions and I go into a lot of spaces and I say, hey, let's make the gaming table more welcoming for everybody. And so it's sort of like my, my, I'm very passionate about it. Yes. And that's actually how you and I met, even though we kind of didn't realize we had met. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was, I, like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, all right. I'm great. Like, I'm terrible with remembering people's names because I can't picture stuff in my head. And so I can't, like, remember faces very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, oh, yeah, we've we've met yeah. several times. <laughs> That's really embarrassing, but it's fine. No, it's so good. I think we were sitting next to each other. So we were on the same panel at Dragon Con. Last year, I think it was uh, women in digital media. I was so nervous. It was at 7 p.m. on a Sunday, and I was like, I can barely remember what happened, except that you told me about that turkey fat. I did. <laughs> yes. You say, because you're talking about uh, uh, your your food podcast. Plant. And, yeah, and emoji, I was just yep. like, hey, I have a I have a, fu- a fun food fact. And that's because that's how I make friends is I just info dump at people until they like me. So that's my strategy. <laughs> well, it, it worked. worked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it Success. Worked. Yes. Yes. So if you don't mind me asking before we get into kind of more serious stuff, how, well, this could be serious. How did you get into D&D? Oh man, it's it's not it's not a very interesting story, but my dad played D&D. Um and uh he was always trying to get me into D&D. And he was like you're perfect for it. Like you're a theater kid. You literally work in an improv theater. Like it's just improv but with math. And that was the part that I always kind of like scared me because I'm I'm terrible at math. Um, I actually have dyscalculia, which also is impossible to say. I hate that word. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm awful at math and I have like a lot of like math anxiety. And so I was always scared to play D&D. Um, and then uh, when my dad passed away, a, a friend of his from college was like, hey, I've had this box of your dad's stuff in my basement for years. Like, do you want it? And I was like, sure. And it was like all of my dad's old D&D books from like when he had been in college. Um, and so I inherited like my dad's old D&D books and his like character sheets and all of this stuff. And I just felt like really close to my dad. Um, and so I started kind of getting into TTRPG. But uh, fun fact, the first uh, TTRPG I ever played was actually not D&D. It was Star Wars Edge of the Empire. Yes. It was the first, yeah, which was, it was the first RPG that I, I ever played. Um, and then I got into to D&D through that. Because I was like, okay, well, this isn't like so bad. Like there's a little math, but it's all right. Um, and then I found out that there's like D&D Beyond exists and it'll just like do the math for you. And I was like, oh, cool. I can play this game now. So that's that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I also was intimidated by it uh, because I thought, I just thought it was so complicated. There was so like all yeah. these rule books and I just thought, you know... Uh, I've come a long way since then, but I was like, that is 
I'm going to come in and these dude bros are going to tell me, like, you don't know what you're doing, and then I'm going to walk away. Yeah. Um, which is probably what's going to happen. But then I had a friend who was really into it, and he, I was struggling with PTSD, and he said, like, this would be a good way for you to to deal with some of that. And also, I was trying to write the ending of this book, mm-hmm. and I so I was like, if I put her in there... Ah, Maybe I can figure smart. out the ending. Uh, but we've talked about that a lot on the show, about how you can use these tabletop games, not as a type of therapy, but as a way to sort of work through things. Yeah. Um, and it, it did. It, even though the ending of the book turned out to not be great. And <laughs> uh, now I, I run games, and I have for a long time, and I feel like I'm happy to see that that's diversifying and more people are getting into it because I do think there is an intimidation factor around the numbers yeah. and the rules. Yeah, absolutely. But I think like that's one of the things that I get really excited about is that mm-hmm. like you don't have to. Like you don't yeah. you don't have to, you know, you don't have to use encumbrance if you don't want to. Like you don't have to do the spell com- no, just, yeah. I don't believe that anybody in the world uses spell components. I'm sure there's some <laughs> like but I just like I've never played it. They're just like, yeah, just cast a spell, whatever. It's fine. Like <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, you know. So it's like I think like it's it's cool because they're very clear up front. It's like it's meant to be adaptable. It's meant to be changeable. It's like play to have fun. And so I think that that's like, I've been really lucky in that way that I've, I've never run. I've, well, I've run into a few jerks, but not, not too many. <laughs> yeah. Same. I feel like I was really lucky. My first uh, game master, dungeon master, he, uh, he was very like, he knew the rules, but he was also flexible. Like he didn't want that to slow down the game. He didn't want yeah. it to become a miserable, like, <laughs> well, <laughs> on this page, <laughs> I have run into some jerks, but usually my experience has been pretty good, which makes me happy. Um, That's awesome. Samantha, you're doing a great job. I just want you to know. I'm listening. No, I'm just thinking that (laughs) it really is a big difference, no matter what you're in, but especially when it's a male-dominated area, like tabletop, and as well as D&D, for the longest time, there was no conversation about women being more involved and non-binary folks being more involved and being intersectional in itself, because we know that when it comes to anything, when it comes to passion and love— if intersectionality is not a part of it, then it kind of does kill off so many people's spirits to even want to be a part of that. And having people like you who are involved, you and Annie, but also taking the reins to show and navigate and mentor people, that's a big deal. And I think it's amazing, this conversation, especially to be able to be like, you know, it's getting better. We've had experiences, but we're making it different. And that's a huge part of growing um, in just ourselves. And just also something that your father loved. Oh my God, that's even more amazing that you're able to expand <laughs> on that. That was. I feel like I want to like applaud for that. That was really good. That was. That was <laughs> great. <She's> excellent, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's it, it, like even though I have no understanding about <laughs> casting spells and numbers, I had no idea math was a part of this. I was like, I know it's a lot about good storytelling and almost improv and acting that I don't know and I'm not good at. So that's my own part. But like, wow, <laughs> this is such a depth that I don't know. So it's kind of fun to watch. It is fun, actually. It is fun to watch people loving it and then trying to figure out what is happening. Yeah. It's a mystery in (laughs) itself for me. (laughs) It's a lot. I always say it's a lot of project management. It's a whole thing. And Samantha has this, she wants to come in and sort of observe. I do. Uh, as we play, almost as if she's like making a documentary about look at these nerds. <laughs> I want to do it as if I'm the uh, not the announcer commentator as yeah. of a sport. I want to come in as that, but not knowing anything. I think it'd yeah. be amazing and fascinating and hilarious <laughs> because I am. I do have a lot of questions. I'm going to have a lot of questions. <laughs> That's great. I'm into it. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of podcasts, because that was my podcast idea. I love that you have made D&D a part of it. So what came first, the D&D or the D&D in the podcast or the podcast? And then they're like, let's do some D&D. Oh, gosh. Okay. So I have an answer <laughs> for this, and I promise it will sound like an answer at the end. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's not going to sound like an answer at the start, but this is my answer. Okay. So... One of the things, so it's it's a podcast about ADHD. It's a podcast about being neurodivergent. Um, and one of the things that is very common um, in the neurodivergent, especially like ADHD experience, is that we're told our whole lives that we have to choose, that we have to pick, that we have to like pick the career, pick the hobby, pick the focus, or pick whatever. But a very, very common theme for many people with ADHD is that it's extremely difficult for us to choose. Or like we choose crochet for two weeks and then the dopamine wears off and then we never, you know, crochet again. But then next week, we're going to try watercolors. And then the next week after that, we're going to learn how to play the trumpet. And then the next week after that, and the next week after that. And that has been my entire life. Like that has been the experience of, of my entire adult life. And being told that that's wrong and being told that that's bad and being told that there's something like fundamentally flawed about living your life like that. And I just so fundamentally disagree because I think that one of the beauties of the world, one of the most extraordinary things about life is that you can just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to get really into art history this month. And then next month, you know, get really into cooking or whatever. But all of those experiences add up. All of those experiences give you something, teach you something, you learn something, you take something away from that experience. Even if you, you know, get really into art history and then you never do it again, when you get really into movies, you still know a little bit of about composition. And when you know a little bit about movies, then when you start, you know, having a podcast, then you know a little bit about editing, you know, and it compounds. And so when we, when we started making the podcast, one of the things that was really important to us was that we just wanted to authentically represent the experience of living with ADHD. And so for us and for me, D&D is part of it. Like D&D is one of my passions. It's certainly not the only passion that I have, but it's one of them. Um, and the feedback that we got, like the, the first episode was very like silly. It was a one-off like special episode. And then the internet, we broke the internet. Um and and then people just said, it's so cool to not only hear people have these experiences like we have, but also play D&D like us, where we get distracted. There are awkward pauses. We stutter, we stumble, we, we get off track. We spend 25 minutes trying to unlock an unlocked door. That's a real thing that happened one time. Um, <laughs> because we literally just didn't hear the DM say the door was unlocked. So it's less about the D&D, I think, and more about just authentically representing the experience of living as ourselves and being very unapologetic about that. But now people do cosplay as me and <laughs> that's weird. So <laughs> that's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know, you hit on something that Annie and I often talk about when it comes to uh, people asking us about podcasting and how do we do it and what do we focus on is like we think that our listeners um, and our fan base like it when we're real, when we're honest and when we're authentic and that that when they can connect, they have a moment of like, these are my friends. They they see me, even though we might might not know their specific situation, but because they can relate to our situation that they hear for the first time, oh my gosh, yeah, that's me. This is amazing. And I love that. Has that been your experience with podcasting? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. so like the podcast started out because so so my podcast partner his name is Eric and Eric is a TikToker the same way that I am a TikToker and in August 2 years ago I reached out and I sent him a message and I said the laws of ADHD TikTok dictate that we must do a collab and he's like great we should we should do a collab sometime and so we exchanged phone numbers with the intention of doing one 60 second video together so I called him the first night, we talked for three and a half hours. The second night, and we're like, oh, we forgot to talk about the video. So the <laughs> second night, I called them back. We talked for four and a half hours. Still didn't talk about the video. Third night, like this went on for like a week and a half. But we would just <laughs> call be like, yeah, we're totally going to talk about the video. And then we would just talk for hours about everything. And so at some point on a TikTok live that I was doing, I... I said I told that story and I was like oh my gosh and somebody in the comments and I still wish I wish I knew who they were because they changed my life forever but they said I would give anything to listen to that conversation like how much money do you want and I kind of jokingly said that to Eric I was like apparently people think we have something to say and we're like well we're millennials. Do you want to make a podcast? <laughs> and then the next thing we knew, we were like a top 50 mental health podcast. And we were one of the only podcasts specifically 
not specifically, but tangentially talking about ADHD and sex and intimacy in particular, like ADHD and like kink and and that kind of stuff. Um, And so it just, it spiraled so quickly, but it absolutely spiraled out of the fact that the feedback we kept hearing was, I've never heard anybody talk like me. I've never heard anybody organize their ideas like me. I've always been told that I talk too fast or I talk too roundabout or whatever. Um, And we're like, yeah, well, we're not going to edit it that much. Like, we'll just kind of vibe. Like, Annie knows she's on the podcast. It's a, it's a, it's a mess. Um, but like, that's but that's kind of like what we stand for. Is just sort of very authentically like being yourselves, and sometimes having hard conversations, and sometimes having tough conversations. But sometimes just being like, you want to talk about cheese, like you know, and and that's okay too. I think there, I think there's validity in all of that. Agreed. And Samantha knows after I was on on your show, I was like, oh God, I never even answered any of her questions because I'd got distracted she didn't tell by me that. Like, <laughs> so. that's, that's the beauty of it, I think. It you know, it's just like your answer is your answer, even if the answer isn't the answer specifically. <laughs> it's still an answer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we talked about the phrase that I was told because of the way I would uh, speak when people would ask me questions. It's like I was chasing rabbits because it'd be like me hopping all over the place trying to get to my point (laughs) and never getting there. So I was like, yeah, that's about right. (laughs) I get that. I understand that to my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, uh, do you mind talking about your experience with ADHD, how it's impacted your life, diagnosis, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, So I was actually diagnosed very late. Um, I was diagnosed the day before my 30th birthday, which was very interesting. But my diagnosis story is a little bit different than a lot of people's because um, I actually had an ovarian torsion. Um, Zero out of 10, do not recommend. I almost died. Um, But they ultimately had to remove my... I have to check left, my left, I always forget, my left ovary. And so when they removed my ovary, it set off a hormonal shift that was so profound that it really exacerbated my underlying ADHD. And so when I went to go get kind of tested to sort of figure out what was going on, because honestly, I thought I had early onset dementia. I had no idea that I had ADHD at all. I was just like, oh my God, like what's going on? I'm, I'm going crazy, like what's happening? Um... I got really lucky in that my doctor was very informed about ADHD in in women. Um, and so she basically was just like, yeah, your ADHD is really linked to your hormones. And I said, what? Uh, and she's like, yeah. And so then I started doing research and I started doing more research and more research. And I started realizing that there were all of these places and all of these like intersections of ADHD that nobody talks about and, and nobody highlights or, or anything like there was a study done recently. I always bring this up on interviews because I'm just like, I'm so heated about it. Um, but there was a study done recently where they where they looked at a bunch of like AFAB people um, and they, they tested them for ADHD, but they tested them for ADHD at different points in their monthly cycles. And depending on where they were in their cycle, the hormonal shift was so significant that some people would test like essentially positive for ADHD. That's not the term, but whatever. They would test like, yes, you have ADHD, But then at other points of the month, they wouldn't because their hormones were like in check enough to where they like didn't have like the same issues. And so I realized that there's like this massively underserved population of people who don't know like how profoundly things are are related. And then sort of even more out of that, as I started learning more about like ADHD and how it affects just life, 
because there's there's this misnomer. There's like this strange stereotype, I guess, about ADHD that it's like ADHD is for work. It's for school. It's you forget to answer emails. You you don't pay attention in class or whatever. But it's like, no, if you have ADHD, it affects every single moment of your day from waking up to going to bed. Like literally, like sleep is affected by ADHD. Falling asleep is affected by ADHD. Um, and the more I learned, kind of the more angry I got because I was like, first off, how was it meant? How did how did they miss this in me for 30 years? And it was because I was a high achiever. I was great at school. I'm academically very talented. And so I realized there were just like so many people out there who were struggling and feeling like they were broken and feeling like they were screw-ups and that they couldn't do anything right. And like, oh, you're so good at school, but why is your room a mess? Like that kind of narrative over and over and over. And I said, I want to talk about this. And then... Two million people were like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Let's go. Agreed. (laughs) That's amazing because as you're saying all this, there's there's a moment where it clicks about uh, the conversation about pregnancy fog. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how that is connected to ADHD because I don't hear much about that. Literally, it's just kind of a comedic, ha-ha-ha, women in pregnancy kind of dismissive conversation when in actuality, maybe it's the underlying diagnosis and or, yeah, just a hormonal shift that we don't talk enough about, which they do talk about hormones. And of course, everything's blamed on hormones and it is to blame, but we don't talk about the deeper net level, the misdiagnosis. Um, and yeah, on our show, repeatedly, we've had these conversations when it comes to diagnosis and women and how it is underdiagnosed because just like you, it's all over the place where it's like, oh, but you, you're functioning. Oh, you're fine on this level. So there must be nothing wrong with you other than you're just high strung. You're just a woman type of conversation and or you are AFAB as you were talking about and being very dismissive of those conversations. Since your discovery of this, how has this impacted your life? Oh my God. I mean, it it completely changed my life forever. Like this is now my job. (laughs) You know, like that's like, first off, like I literally talk about ADHD for my job, which is strange. I did not think, (laughs) I have like two master's degrees in Shakespeare. This is not supposed to be my life. Um, I was supposed to be teaching about Romeo and Juliet in some like dusty college library somewhere. (laughs) But I mean, I think more than anything, what what has happened is that i've i've just learned a lot and i've realized how necessary these conversations are and i realize there's nothing worse than somebody going on a podcast and being like yeah this is a really important conversation to have um because it's like but it is you know <laughs> but it absolutely is um and as i started talking more and educating more and advocating more um i kept just hearing the same stories over and over again misdiagnosis underdiagnosis late diagnosis um you know like all of these different things and just realizing how profoundly it affects people and how profoundly difficult it is to navigate life when you're struggling with the bare minimums, but being told that there's no reason you should be struggling with the bare minimums, that it should be easy to do your dishes, it should be easy to do your laundry, it should be easy to, to have, your house should be immaculate and your children should be fed, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and in reality, it is extremely difficult for a lot of people. And then even more sort of like recently and immediately, the pandemic broke a lot of people's systems. It it broke down a lot of people's structures, the the safety nets and and the and the things that they had in place to sort of support themselves throughout the day, those all went away. And a lot of people still are not recovered from that and and are still like sort of like, oh my gosh, like I do have ADHD or I have been autistic this entire time and I had no idea, you know, that kind of thing. And so there's been just like, I think a profound shift in 
my own understanding of of neurodivergency and how it affects me in my life, which I don't actually think was the answer to the question that you asked at all, but I just started talking because I panicked. So there you go. (laughs) No, that was exactly because it is. You talked about the fact that it kind of, yes, literally changed your life because it became your job. Obviously changed your life as you started to understand yourself and your own um, conversations in your mind or lack of conversations or, you know, weary of conversations, whatever it may be, but it makes more sense. And there is that aha moment of like, oh, oh my God, this explains so much when you've been beating yourself up thinking that you were doing something wrong. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and especially you know, like out of the sort of ADHD stuff came the fact that I I went back to school and I became a certified sex educator. Um, And that was honestly like a really sort of pivotal moment for me and like a very enlightening moment for me Um, because I had spent a really long time thinking that I was just broken. Like I was just sex broken. Like sex was just this weird amalgamous thing that like I, I wasn't good at it. I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand my body and my brain. And like they're, they very rarely connect. Like I sort of live in my head and I have like, like this like body attached, like inconveniently so. Um, and realizing that a lot of that just has to do with my neurodivergency. It has to do with, with the physical way that my brain interprets information and takes in stimulus and that kind of stuff. Um, I was honestly like, I mean, kind of like vulnerably, I was really able to release a lot of like the shame and guilt that I that I had around like sex and intimacy. Because I was like, oh, I'm not a bad person because I get bored during sex. Like that's my ADHD. Like I'm not a creepy weirdo because I, I'm really into kink. Like no, kink is a totally valid and beautiful and wonderful thing that is a tool that a lot of people who require like additional stimulus like during intimacy use, you know? And so it it really, I think has been a very quick, like fast paced journey. Um, but it's, it's been really incredible, like realizing like how much self-acceptance is wrapped up in just understanding how your brain works and why your brain works the way, way it does. And that's been, that's been extremely powerful. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We've heard from so many listeners who have had the same, a similar experience where they're like, I when I got the diagnosis, it's just, just like... I could breathe again, like I understood um, and how powerful that was. And I know from the conversation you and I had, you have a really active listenership and you are, you're very vulnerable on your show, which is something that I love. We've also talked about how like taking care of yourself, self-care is also important and kind of drawing that line (laughs) of like, what am I doing for the audience and what is good for me? But through that, uh, you told me like you have sort of become this expert, and we talked about kind of the danger (laughs) of that term and the responsibility of that term, but around uh, ADHD and sex. And you already kind of touched on some of this stuff, but um, could you expound on on that a bit more? Yeah. So there's just now uh, studies coming out that that specifically deal with like ADHD and intimacy. Um, And one of the things that I always like to clarify right off the bat is like when I say ADHD and sex, what I actually mean is ADHD and relationships. I'm not talking about like penis and vagina sex. I'm just talking about like relationships as a whole. But sex is for some people part of that. But so about 40 to 50% of people with ADHD struggle with sex and intimacy and relationships. Um, For a lot of people, that looks like struggles like during like the sex act itself. Um, A lot of people struggle with like arousal and orgasm. A lot of people struggle with um, just like fundamentally like turning their brain off and and getting in the mood. Um, Even more than that, um, about, depending on the study that you read, between 90 and 99% of people with ADHD experience something called rejection sensitivity, um, which is fundamentally just a very like shorthanded term for like the, the huge amount of trauma that many neurodivergent people just live with in their own life. Like kids with ADHD experience 20,000 more negative messages about themselves than kids without ADHD. Um, and so at some point you start to get a little sensitive to like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something bad? But that carries over. That doesn't just magically disappear, you know, on your 18th birthday. Um, and so a lot of people with ADHD and other neurodivergency struggle in relationships because of like this this host of issues in terms of things like rejection sensitivity and you know like I said earlier focusing during sex and and feeling like you know like they they're doing something fundamentally wrong in their relationships um and just the more that I learned about that and the more that I I got really just invested in in how intimacy works in neurodivergent relationships 
uh, again, I just realized like there weren't a lot of conversations being had. Um, and even more than that, the conversations that were being had, this is like a sidebar. I'm sorry. I just realized like I was, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing the rabbit, Samantha. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> we love it here. Um, Keep going. But yes. so much sex education, the sex education that exists, if it exists at all, um, is absolutely predicated on the notion that everybody involved is neurotypical is that they don't have problems with rejection sensitivity. They're not saying yes when they actually mean no because they're terrified that they're going to lose their partner. Um, you know, they're they're able to remember conversations the same way. Um, you know, like there's so many discussions that are specific to neurodivergent people, um, but those conversations in sex ed, like they're not being had. They're just saying everybody here is, you know, thinks the same way and feels the same way and acts the same way. And that's not true. And that's not, and that's not even true about like neurotypical people as well. Like whether or not you have ADHD, like you can have two very different understandings of what the word, you know, like intimacy means or closeness means or quality time means. This isn't like just a special ADHD thing. Um, and so the more that I learned and the, and the more that I sort of started working towards educating like in that capacity, the more that I just realized like, okay, well, if nobody's going to have the conversation, then I guess it'll be me, you know? And so like, I've been really lucky is that there there is a really big push right now for a lot of diversity and a lot of inclusivity and a lot of um, accessibility in sex ed. Um, but so many neurodivergent and disabled people are just infantilized or or desexualized entirely. And it's like, oh, you're autistic? That's so cute that you have a boyfriend. And it's like, no, like I'm an adult, like, you know? And so, yeah, like there's just, there's just so many issues that I always get really stressed out when somebody asks, like, talk about that more. Cause I'm like, I don't even, there's so much, yeah. it's so much and it's so big and it's so much all the time. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, and I think, that first of all, it's great that you're doing that because I think the sex education is really deplorable in this country and it's harmed a lot of people. Um, and I'm glad to see that it's improving, but it's still like got so far to go. And it's true, like we don't hear about that. And like you said earlier, I feel like a, a lot of people's understanding of ADHD when they don't know too much about it is based on like work and, you know, school or whatever, but not all these personal aspects. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that these conversations are happening. And like, as you say, it makes so much sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and even more than that too, there's a lot of just strangely incorrect information that lives out there. Like I still hear like every day, like the, the fact that I hear about this every day is upsetting, but I hear every day from people who will like go to a psychologist and, and they'll say, oh, well, they said that women can't have ADHD. And I'm like, it's 2022, and there are still practicing medical professionals who say, oh, girls can't have ADHD or or girls can't be autistic. Like, that's an, another big one that I get a lot. Um, or, you know, like, oh, well, you got good grades in school, so you can't have ADHD. Or, you know, you got a, a degree in college or whatever, so you can't have ADHD. And it's like, that's not how any of this works. Um, but because the stereotype is still so fundamentally a white, cis male, seven-year-old boy screwing around in the back of the classroom, there is a lot of stigma and a lot of, um, I think, like, false narratives 
that people have to fall, like fight through to just simply be seen and heard and get a diagnosis. And so when, you know, a 45-year-old woman shows up at the doctor's office and says, I think I have ADHD, like, there are doctors who will who will just be like, that's impossible. That can't possibly be the case. Somebody would have noticed. And it's like, I am living proof that <laughs> like there are, and it's not just me, there are millions of people who are living proof that no, like sometimes you, you get by until you can't get by anymore and there comes a breaking point. Um, and for a lot of uh, AFAB people that comes in their 30s and their 40s, it's it's not like some it's not like a little kid thing, you know? I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it, but I just get so frustrated. No, I mean, what you're talking about at the core of this is ableism. And it absolutely draws into the idea that you can't be this for so long denying and other people denying it because they don't want to, because it might be too close. It might hit a little too close to home. Let's be honest, right now this is hitting a little too close to home. JK. Um, <laughs> but the fact is, it's the internalized ableism that is within all of this conversation and the fact that it shouldn't be. It should be normalized and have a conversation about this is not a bad thing. It is it is a thing. And then when you actually have an understanding of it, you can better move on and grow in yourself. Um, and I feel like you've hit on that so hard. Can you kind of go into what it looks like when ableism is a part of this conversation in itself? Buckle <laughs> so this is not this is not specifically about ADHD, but I have a I have another uh, I have an invisible disability. It's called dystonia, um, and dystonia basically is characterized by uh, unpredictable and unwanted muscle spasms that happen all over your body. Um, for me specifically, they happen in my back and they happen in my hands. Um, and my dystonia was sort of like kicked off by a, an accident that I had in, in a show that I was doing. Um, I, I fell. That's not a good story, but that's it. I fell down. Oh, no. But I spent almost four years trying to get a diagnosis. Um, and as I went from doctor to doctor to doctor, one of the things that I, I kept happening to me was, one, they would accuse me of making it up because dystonia is extremely rare. Um, but even more than that, I got a lot of like, it's all in your head or maybe it's period cramps. I got a lot of like, it must be cramps. And I'm like, I literally can't walk. Like, what are you talking about? But I also got a lot of, um, you're too pretty to be disabled. I've heard that I'm too pretty to be disabled. I've heard that I'm too smart to be disabled. Um, I've heard that I don't look like I'm disabled. Um, and and that is so prevalent, is that I feel like there is, unfortunately, one, like if you say the word disabled, like for many people, like one specific image comes to mind and that is a person using a wheelchair. Like that is disability to many people. Um, and it's like, no, disability is not a monolith. And for some people, like ADHD is a profound disability. Um, and for other people, it's like, yeah, I have ADHD, but you know, I take meds and I'm fine, you know? And because A, disability is not a monolith and B, like disability is also a spectrum. Like, like whether it's, you know, ADHD or, you know, paralysis or dystonia or whatever your particular issue may be, that is a spectrum. And so from person to person to person, it's like, if you know one person with ADHD, you know one person 
with ADHD. Um, but because the narrative is still like, oh, well, this one person is going to speak for the group. Um, that's why like, I honestly get really nervous when I do interviews like this because it's like, this is my experience. This is this is my experience. Um, but the pushback that I get a lot is that like, oh, well, you're so good at school. Like that must've been so nice for you. I had a really hard time in school. And I'm like, that is also totally valid. There are many people with ADHD who fail out of school and 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 fail over and over and over and they can't make school happen. I got lucky and that school was like my hyper-focus, you know? But like, those are two very different experiences that are both exceptionally valid and exceptionally important to acknowledge. And so then when you start sort of talking about ableism as a whole, you just start to realize like how insidious it is that it's like, there are still people walking around going, oh, well, you're so smart, you can't be disabled or you're so pretty, you can't be disabled or whatever it may be. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, why are we not just believing people when they say that they're struggling with something? Why do we need to take time to like invalidate it for our own comfort because it challenges our understanding of what like disability may be? Um, and that I think has been one of the most, I think, enlightening things about of this work that I do is how much time I, I have to take like when I'm speaking or doing panels to just unpack this idea that it's like, everybody's experience is the same. It's like, no, we're all different. So like, let's start there and start like meeting each other in the middle. Um, but yeah, I get, I get real heated up about ableism because it's profoundly affected me in many, many ways. Yeah, I know it has for a lot of people. One of the uh, episodes my friends bring up the most with me, which is very sweet that they actually listen to the show. I don't expect them to, but um, is an episode that we did about, you know, women... Uh, can be autistic, and here's why, like, it's underdiagnosed and all this stuff. And so many of them were like, oh my, I just never knew that. And they are, you know, 30-year-old women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And finding relief in that. And then also, we've done a lot of episodes about how doctors dismiss women sometimes, leading to consequences like death, uh, when we're telling you, like, no, there's something wrong. I know there's something wrong. And they're like, you're good. Yeah. Um, and then also just in America, we've been talking about this a lot too, the whole idea that you shouldn't complain, you should be productive, you should fit in. I think it's been really damaging uh, yeah, for a lot of absolutely. people. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely that conversation of women have to prove their worth. A fat people have to prove their worth in general. And so therefore showing weakness which is not a weakness, which is saying this is something I might struggle with, is showing weakness and therefore you are less value. That's been a whole conversation that's been inundated in us, especially as, again, uh, people who are identify as women have to show, marginalized people in general have to show that they are of value because, you know, white men yeah. apparently on its own are valued. Yeah, well, and burnout culture too is such a, a huge part, I think, especially of like the neurodivergent story because so many neurodivergent people, like, they thrive on burnout until burnout becomes untenable. It's like, well, if I need to feel pressure to get anything done, if I need to, you know, feel this sense of immediacy to get anything done, how do you do that? You do that by overextending yourself, by overbooking yourself, by constantly living in, like, a stress state for as long as you possibly can. But at some point, like, you got to crash. You got to crash. And and the more, the longer that you go on, you know, especially like for late diagnosis people, 
like some people like me, I got all the way, I got two master's degrees before that burnout hit, but then that burnout hit and I was like, I'm not okay. And I was not okay for a long time. And it's, and it's just like that culture of like, do more, be productive, do more, be productive, prove your worth, prove your worth over and over and over. And then in conversation with, and I, and I can only function when I'm living in that stressed out state, like, oh, it gets dangerous. It gets so dangerous so quickly. And I wish we talked more about that too. It's just like how the culture of like capitalistic burnout, like just is so dangerous for neurodivergent people to be able to thrive in. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to just stop calling me out. Thank you very much. <laughs> Continuing on. <laughs> no, we've talked about that because I do feel like there's a lot of morality attached to productivity in our country. Yeah. And yeah. for me, like when I get stressed, I hang on to work like a life rafts and it's not healthy, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I yeah. can distract myself with this thing and I don't have to think about all of this other stuff that I'm struggling with. And it's definitely been during the pandemic, it's really become clear to me how much I rely on distracting myself and avoiding other things through work. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not great. It's not great. No. (laughs) Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Can we go back to something else you mentioned, uh, which we've discussed on this podcast too, which is uh, kink and embracing kink. Yeah. And how that has been for you, uh, how that kind of intersects with ADHD, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So, okay. I want to be, I was, I always like to say this. I'm a big fan of kink, but I'm absolutely not one of those like come join my club people. I'm just like kink is a tool in, in your intimacy toolbox. If, if it's for you, great. If it's not, also totally cool. We can still be friends. That's totally fine. <laughs> okay. And also, I think one of the things that has been really interesting for me is is sort of like unpacking what kink means to a lot of people because I think people hear kink and they immediately go like whips change and dungeon parties and it's like great if that if that's your bag awesome but that's not it's not necessarily it for everybody. Um, but so sort of like circling back to the actual point I was going to make. Um, so. One of the big things with ADHD is that our brains are constantly seeking sensory input, right? It's like once the dopamine, once the serotonin kind of wears off, like your brain is like on to the next thing. And and the the period of time that that takes, you know, can be like I'm hyper-focused on my emails or it can be I'm spending six months watching every episode of Doctor Who. It really depends. And there's not a really good way to like harness the power of your ADHD as much as a lot of like life coaches want to tell you on the <laughs> internet. It's It's challenging, right? Um, but so when you start talking about like sex and intimacy and that kind of stuff, um, what a lot of people find is that that sort of sensory seeking like input behavior is still happening, right? And so as a sex educator, one of the things that I'm a big sort of proponent of is the fact that kink is at its foundation two different things at the same time. It is it is sensory input and it is power dynamic. And you can have A and not B. You can have B and not A. You can have both. You can have neither. Whatever is your bag. Um, but a lot of times, that's sort of the structure of a, a power dynamic of some kind, whether it be like all the time in the bedroom, like whatever. There's a lot of different options. Um, but in conversation with that additional sensory input of, you know, like I'll say it, like the riding crop, the flogger, the blindfold, the earplugs, like whatever you personally may be using, um, those things can really combine to provide a really satisfying and much more like in, intimately satisfying experience for a neurodivergent person. Um, and I think it's 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 hard to talk about kink a lot of times because there's such a stigma attached to it. It's like, oh, now I got to go buy my like all leather outfit and get down to the dungeon. But it's like, no, it's like when we, when we talk about kink, we are literally talking about, you know, anything as simple as just a blindfold or, you know, wearing headphones or something like that to, you know, the more like aggressive, like 50 shades of gray stuff that you might be picturing. 50 shades of gray is trash just for on the record <laughs> um but so but that. there's but it's it's a really powerful and really valuable tool um but again when we talk about kink when we talk about kink safety when we talk about negotiating boundaries when we talk about negotiating consent and all that stuff a lot of those conversations and the way that those things are taught in kink and bdsm communities are again from that neurotypical perspective of like everybody's going to remember the safe word no problem nobody has time blindness so there's not going to be a problem in terms of like how long do we do this scene for um you know nobody has rejection sensitivity like that kind of stuff um and so when i started 
speaking more specifically towards sex and intimacy as somebody who who really found a place for myself in the kink community and really I think sort of sexually came into my own because of kink and what kink does personally for me that was another place where I was like hey we really need to have a conversation about time blindness we really need to have a conversation about managing you know a submissive partner as a neurodivergent dom and and vice versa um and so I've had really the honor of being able to go to a lot of like kink and BDSM specific conventions and talk about that and talk about like okay what like neurodivergent doms neurodivergent subs like neurodivergent kink in general um and it's kind of become like my my like little passion area of expertise cuz i just i really care about it i really care about the kink community i really care about people playing safely and being educated safely and that kind of stuff um but i think if if you're if you don't have the lived experience of of knowing what it's like to struggle with memory and time blindness and rejection sensitivity and all the different stuff that comes like wrapped up in the ADHD package, it can be really hard to speak to it um, with any sort of efficacy. And so um, that's what I do for my job now is I talk about sex and ADHD on the internet. My mom loves it. My mom is thrilled. My mom's like, why are you like this? <laughs> like, well... It's fine. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were hey, being sarcastic at first. <laughs> oh, she's so mad. She's so mad. It's so funny. It's so funny. My um, I grew up like in a super conservative household where it was like masturbation was like a terrible sin and like, you know, like sex is like this like deeply shameful thing between a man and a woman. And I was just like, all right, cool. And then like I like rocked up and I was like, what's up? <laughs> so a lot of a lot of it too has been unlearning that and unpacking right. that, like the religious shame and like I went to Catholic right. school my whole Ooh. life. Like I was I the the first time I didn't go to Catholic school was in graduate school. Wow. Like I went to a Catholic university, so okay. it was like it's a lot. There's a lot, a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. We've we've talked about this before. Uh, my parents are also in that wheelhouse of like you're talking about women's issues. You're one of them. Cool. Um, which is funny because I'm like, well, no, we're talking about feminism. And okay, okay, never mind. I'm, I'm not gonna explain this anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I think as we've talked to so many people in the kink community and about what they do, one of the big things that always stood out to me and I love, and I'm like, how do we translate this to people who may not understand kink at all or have never really thought about being a part of this community or understanding what it is at its core. But the communication, that is a yeah. beautiful point in the entirety of I'm like, that in itself is enticing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even like I borrow a lot from the kink community when I'm educating about like ADHD. Like a, a big thing in the kink community is drop. Like the the experience of just like, you know, sub drop, dom drop, whatever. But drop just happens in life to everybody. Um, but Can you when you're explain the, drop? Oh, yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. know what so, that is. Okay. So basically drop is, I'm, I'm, I'm better with a diagram, but I'm going to use my <laughs> words to the best of my ability. But so basically in your brain, there is a, a baseline amount of like dopamine and serotonin and that kind of stuff. Um, and as you partake in an activity, whether or not it be like a kink, we'll say a kink scene or going to your friend's birthday party that you've been looking forward to for a really long time, there's really no discernible difference in your brain. But you start sort of burning through those like happy time chemicals, right? Um, and so then at some point, you run out of those chemicals, right? You're feeling good. You're feeling good. You're having a great time, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm kind of, we're, we're out of that dopamine. We're out of that serotonin. And that's where drop happens, right? And so drop is like that moment where your brain says, no, I need time to sort of replenish these chemicals and sort of like get back up to that baseline. Um, 
And that happens a lot in kink because you're, you know, you're experiencing these very like heightened emotions and and you're like making extra dopamine while like the scene is happening and then boop, it's gone. Um, but that happens a lot just in life, you know, it's like, and, and for neurodivergent people, it can be as simple as like, I've been looking forward to going to this concert or I've been looking forward to this birthday party or whatever. Um, but then that drop happens. And when you already naturally have a lower level of dopamine and serotonin, whether because of depression or ADHD or, you know, whatever may be going on in your brain, that can feel profoundly significant. And you can have these periods of like depression and anxiety after something that's like, I should be having a good time. I should be having a great time. Like why, you know, like why do I feel like crap after this amazing thing happens? And it's like, because drop. And in the kick community, it's it's a very frequent discussion. We're all like, oh yeah, it's drop. But every time I bring up drop in like a non-kink audience, people's brains explode and they go, what? Like, I like what? I was like, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a whole thing. It's like a whole science thing that happens. I'm having that um, moment because <laughs> that happens to me very quickly. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I got to go. Yeah. And, and, and it can be like one of those things where especially, again, like in conversation with like the other sort of component parts because it's all interconnected, it's all intertwined. But it's like, you know, you have that drop moment, but then you also have rejection sensitivity issues. So you're like less likely to go to a partner for comfort. You're less likely to reach out. You're going to introvert inside yourself and, you know, or you are just deeply introverted. And then going to go talk to somebody about it, like that's more spoons and more exhaustion. And so the issue can compound in a way, but it's like, if you're aware of it and you go, okay, drop is happening. Like I need to take care of myself. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm like reaching out to a friend or having a friend reach out to me or like whatever it may be. Um, you can really start to set yourself up for success um, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways that have nothing to do with whips and chains, like nothing at all. Um, but I, I really think there's just so much to be learned from the kink community, like in, in stuff like that, just in like the casual, like conversations we have, but also like you were saying, just like with consent and negotiation and setting boundaries and unapologetically being like, Hey, these are my boundaries. These are my needs, like meet them or don't, but like they are valid and I will not be changing them in order to, you know, make you more comfortable. Um, I think that there's a lot of power there, especially for a group of people who oftentimes are told that we're weird or broken or we're too much or, you know, we're doing it wrong or we're doing it poorly or whatever and saying like, no, this is how I'm going to do my laundry. This is how I'm going to do my dishes. This is what I'm going to ask for during intimacy. And I need that from you. And if you can't meet those needs, then we need to have a much larger conversation because your needs are valid. Your needs are valid. And I will die on that hill. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. Like that's been my favorite thing about uh, my takeaway from the kink community and something that I wish everybody did is that we should start from like not an, an assumption of this is what sex looks like. This is what it should be. We should start from here's what I want. What do you want? Can we meet there? Ah, so good. Um, it is good. It is. Also, I'm going to have to go to therapy after this one. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, I have therapy in an hour. I usually do. I always manage to schedule podcast interviews either right before or right after therapy. And my therapist knows like, she's like, oh, did you have a good interview today? I was like, yeah, it was great. Or like, I'll be like, just cry. You're like, oh, God. You should like oh, no. really complain about us in therapy. Yeah, please do. No, no. I'm going to say such that. nice things about you. I was like already thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to tell my therapist how good this yes. was. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, okay, so just a quick couple of wrap-up things before we end. So you were on the Storytime podcast about orgies, correct? 
I maybe, maybe I was. <laughs> All right. Maybe that was me. No, it actually was. It's, apparently, I was one of their only guests that was like, not like, I was just like, yeah, it's me. I'm Katiosaurus. What's up? Like, I just was like very open about it. Apparently, that was like weird. But I was like, all right, cool. But yes, that was okay. me. Talking about orgies. Organizing orgies specifically, which I'm very yeah, intrigued by. Uh, I we spent had an episode on about, that, yeah. Yeah, I spent like four summers professionally organizing orgies because my background is in stage management and like event planning. Um, and what I realized is that planning an orgy is fundamentally no different than putting on a production of Hamlet, except like weirder <laughs> happens in the, in the fifth act. And so I was like, okay, cool. So it was like one of those weird things where I, I was working at a, a, a Shakespeare festival that shall go nameless. Um, and there was like a, a very uh, sex positive sort of like scene in that town. Um, and so I wound up uh, organizing orgies for rich people for like four summers. Wow. <laughs> it's weird. It was a, you were that weird good. They brought you effect. back every summer. I love it. They did. It was actually really funny. It was like I would get, I was starting to get emails because the festival ran like in like May, June, July, like like summertime. I would start getting emails in like January, February being like, hey, we were just kind of wondering if you were going to be like back this year because <laughs> uh, we were looking to, uh, you know, like work with you. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm coming back. And they'd be like, great, cool. Like, <laughs> That's let's play amazing. It. I was like, All right. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Such a weird trivia fact. I love me. it. I love it. Uh, something else. Um, Samantha is slowly trying to get me into TikTok. We're not on TikTok True. yet. She wants me to do all my Luke Skywalker outfits. Um, yeah. yeah. You, okay, let's clarify something. I do want you to do all of this, but uh, it's more of like, hey, we need to get on TikTok. You're like, if I get on, it's only going to be only gonna be Luke Star Wars Skywalker content. content. That's all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, whatever. Neither here nor there. Uh, but you are very big on TikTok. However, you're not verified yet, right? I am. I am not. Do you have plans for like, celebration if you get verified? They're never going to verify me. <laughs> is I've applied 14 times for verification. <gasps> I have been on the Today Show. I've been on The Doctors. I've been in Cosmo. I've been in The New York Times. I've been in GQ. I've been in... I've been in every, like... I've been in a lot of things. And, like, I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I'm, I'm saying that to contextualize the fact that TikTok hates kink. TikTok mm, just hates yeah. sex and sex ed and is like, and we all have like, there's like a, a secret code. Like we all have to s s like speak in secret yeah. code to even like talk like about sex a lot of the time. And so I'm, I think I'm the largest female ADHD content creator. There's one person who is more like specifically ADHD, but he he is male. Um, but I'm the largest like girl, basically. But they won't verify me because I talk about sex and intimacy and kink and like that kind of thing. Um, and so it's just like really frustrating um, because like it's it's become like an ongoing joke with my followers too because it's just like. Like, I was on the Today Show talking specifically about, like, ADHD and sex. Like, this is what I'm doing for my career. And TikTok's like, mm, but we don't like it, though. So, um, but yeah. So, I was just like, whatever. So, like, now at this point, I'm just like, I'm moving to YouTube, honestly. Um, I'm starting to do more, like, longer form content on YouTube. Um, also, I don't actually know if I'm supposed to say this yet or not, but it's fine. I'll just say it. Leroy Jenkins. Um, we actually just had a web series greenlit that we're where it's actually talking all the way back about the start of the podcast um where, where we're just going to be talking about like different um careers and different jobs and different like interesting hobbies um and like it's sort of like a cross between like dirty jobs and the try guys um is kind of what it's going to be but that just got greenlit so we're really excited about that but yeah this tiktok hate me, and that's okay <laughs> well no and i'll just i just keep saying it no when it comes to tiktok they are very 
odd when it comes to what they ban, who they ban, who they verify, oh, yeah. who they celebrate. And typically, it's all about popularity. And when I say popularity, yeah. it's like literally having all of your followers email TikTok and and not only just go viral and having millions and millions and millions of views, which I'm pretty sure you already have, uh, but having that and then having people harass TikTok till the point that you do it, those content creators get that like that yeah. way. That's what I've seen. Like people, when especially because there are sides based on what you view, it's it's odd how they set this up. And the fact that they ban mostly they ban uh, videos and content, and I've seen it more so with people who are calling out like uh, racist and controversial statements mm-hmm. of very like controversial ideas based on uh, you know anti LGBTQ. Like those people yeah. are still have their stuff up. I actually went and tried to report a video where he's celebrating a guy who is a sex offender. Like he got released as a rape rapist, Ew. and they were like, "Oh, this is hilarious!" And they're like, "Good job, get out, way to get out of jail or whatever." And then everybody was, and I reported that. I was like, "This is awful." Nope. They told yeah. me there was no uh, violation. I was like, "How?" He yeah. literally says, <laughs> "I am a rapist." Like, I'm, like, it's odd because they really do set it up that people control what content is on there, and it's according to who gets the most, the loudest. And it seems it's very one-sided. Yeah, I got banned from TikTok for a weekend about a year ago. Um, and my I got really lucky because my community did exactly that. They 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 like protested. It was like a big deal when I got banned, which I wasn't expecting. I didn't expect people to care like at all. Um, and I woke up and somebody had written a protest sea shanty <laughs> about my being banned. And that was like honestly one of the greatest things that ever like it's still my ringtone awesome. to this day. The um but yeah, it's, it's so there's, popular there's, on TikTok. <laughs> I know. TikTok itself, like the the entity TikTok is, I fight with TikTok all the time. But I think the thing that I am most grateful for, and I think the thing that really did change my life is that TikTok allowed me to find a community. Like the people on TikTok, the individual users on TikTok, they are extraordinary people. Like, and there are people who will who will go to bat for me and say like, hey, this isn't fair. And they're constantly tagging TikTok and being like, why isn't she verified yet? You know, and that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just been like this really interesting dichotomy of like constantly having to fight to like get my message out there and be seen and heard. Like I've been suppressed to hell for the past like two weeks or so. Um, but at the same time, getting emails and messages from people saying, thank you for what you do. You know, like this is so important. Like I didn't know this. Like you taught me something about my daughter or my partner or my son or whatever. And like, that's what means the world to me. You know, it's like, I don't care if TikTok doesn't like me. I care about the right. literally millions of people who have come to my content to say, like, and hopefully learned something. So, well, uh, Kate, thank you so much for being here. It has been a delight. You are doing so many amazing things, and you're in Atlanta, so we should hang Woo-hoo. sometime. We should, yeah. Can we hang out? That'd yeah, be dope. let's totally hang out. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, where can all the good listeners find you? Oh, good listeners. You can find me in the following places. Um, as Annie so lovely said, I'm Kate. Um, I go by Katieosaurus on all the social medias. Um, you can find me on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitch. I'm a Twitch partner now, which is very fancy. Um, I also uh, have a podcast, like I said, it's called Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest, an ADHD adventure. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and if you want to learn more about me or what I do, um, you can go to katiosaurus.com. Um, and if you would like the spicy content that I also do, uh, you can go to mostlypans.com. And 
that's where that content lives. <laughs> so I love it. Uh, and also, you probably saw from the title, listeners, but it's Kate with a C. Yes, C A T I E O S A U R U S. I had to look at my own neon sign. I always forget how to spell it. She just leaned away to look at it. That was great. I thought you were trying to show us. I was like, I always forget if it's A U or U A. I don't know. It's I get really panicky about it. I'm bad at spelling. I got you. I love it. That worked out. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Uh, listeners, keep an eye out for those, the pilots. Is there more than one? The pilot. It's coming out. We're going to be going to the Penguin Magic Theater in Columbus, Ohio and learning how to do become magicians. That's so exciting. Ooh. In a week. I'm so scared. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited. That's I'm so amazing. excited for this new project. That's yeah. awesome. Is Ohio known for magicians? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That place is famous. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, if you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. She's a magician for sure. She she is. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I never told you is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.